Amen. Well, good morning, Grace. It's so good to see all of you this morning. And thank you so much uh, for hearing our announcement that we're going to be shifting our service to here. So it it sounds like you heard that and you showed up. So we're really grateful uh, for that. Okay. All right. You like that. Okay, good. They like the, the decision, Nick. That's good. Um, but hey, uh, you know, as we've been trying to figure out the best way and the most safe way for our church to gather, it's become really clear, uh, being able to do some outdoor services, uh, is the best answer. So we'll be doing this twice a month, uh, through August, October, uh, August, September, and October, um, depending on weather and temperature and all of that. And then the rest of our Sundays, you'll be able to find us online. And of course, uh, we're glad to those of you who are joining us online uh, right now. Welcome to you. Um, my name is Alan. I'm one of the pastors here. So if you're new, just want to welcome you who are online. Um, just want to welcome you uh, as well. Thanks for tuning in. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and uh, you can open that up to Luke chapter six, the gospel of Luke. Chapter six, that's where we're gonna be this morning. We've been in a sermon series studying Luke for quite some time now, and we're gonna continue that this morning. Uh, Now, uh, as most of you know, if you've been hanging around our church for a while, you know that I am uh, a a, a fan of, a disgruntled fan, but I am a fan of the Washington football team. Now, I'm not sure if you know this, but the Washington football team has a new name. After getting their best marketing people together, the best in the business, after much deliberation, they have come up with the new name of the Washington football team. And, okay, someone enjoys that. All right, so the Washington football team, that is their new name. Uh, And and yeah, it's just temporary. So yes, I know they're going to be uh, coming up with some new name here soon. But for right now, the team name is the Washington football team. Now, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about what the new permanent team name should be. But at the end of the day, here is how this is going to go. If the Washington football team continues to be a miserable organization, a toxic and abusive place to work, and a loser on the football field, well, no one's gonna like the new name no matter what happens. But if the football team turns itself around, becomes a reputable organization, and is actually competitive on the field, well, everyone will love the name because at the end of the day, it's not the label that matters. It's not the jersey that you wear that matters. It's what you produce that matters, right? I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if the Washington football team won the Super Bowl this year. And well, I would be surprised if they won the Super Bowl this year. But if they won the Super Bowl this year, I wouldn't be surprised if they thought about keeping this name because the success on the field will endear the name, the label to the fan base. Because at the end of the day, labels don't mean that much if the person behind the label doesn't produce fruit to back it up. And Jesus uses the same principle to talk about people who wear the label of Christian. Uh, people who wear the jersey for Team Jesus. Jesus says, you will know who his actual 
followers are, his actual followers are, not by the jersey that they're wearing, but by the fruit that they produce. This morning, we're going to be in Luke 6, and later on in Luke 6, we'll we'll study this passage in a few weeks. Jesus says, you know a tree by its fruit, right? So if I were to go to Merrifield Garden Center, and I wanted to buy a tree, and I was looking at trees, and I saw a tree that had pears growing on it, but if there was a label around the branch that said apple tree, I'm not going to assume that the tree made a mistake and grew pears instead of apples, right? I'm going to assume the store made a mistake and put the wrong label on the tree because you know a tree by its fruit, not by its label. And in the same way, you know a true follower of Jesus by their fruit, not by their label, And as we continue in our study of the gospel of Luke, we have come to the place in Luke, here in Luke 6, where Luke records his version of the Sermon on the Mount taught by Jesus. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is a famous sermon by Jesus. The gospel of Matthew gives us by far the most content from that sermon. And here in Luke, it's a much shorter version. And over the next five weeks, we're going to study the different parts of Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. But I believe that Luke organized his recording of the Sermon on the Mount thematically with a a purpose in mind. And over the next five weeks, Jesus is going to teach us about five different fruits that are produced by a true follower of Jesus. Labels don't matter. Every follower of Jesus should be growing, not perfectly, these five fruits that we'll be studying over the next five weeks. And if someone claims they follow Jesus, if they're wearing the jersey for Team Jesus, yet they don't bear these fruits, you don't see these fruits growing in their life, well, that might be the same thing as me putting on a Washington football team jersey and claiming to be the starting quarterback. Labels don't matter. The fruit does. And so we're going to do a little mini-series here over the next five weeks out of Luke 6, a little mini-series that I'm going to call How to Spot a Christian. And each week, we're going to talk about one of these five different fruits that are produced by true followers of Jesus. And so before we jump into the first one here, let me just say a word about why we're going to study this and talk about this. Um, There are a lot of people and there are a lot of churches with a lot of different beliefs, a lot of different ways of living their life that claim the label of Christian and also claim the name of Jesus. And I personally believe one of the reasons that we're seeing the younger generations in our world walk away from the church and really have no interest in Jesus is because they see so many people who claim the name of Jesus, yet there's no fruit behind that label. And you know a tree by its fruit, not its label. 
And my desire is that we would be a church family of Jesus followers who are willing to humbly examine ourselves, look at our own life and ask, is there fruit that backs up this label? Do I represent Jesus and his transforming grace in my life? And can people see that? Or is it possible that I'm a tree with the wrong label on it? So let's do this. Let's jump into the, the Sermon on the Mount here. And this morning, here's the specific fruit that we're gonna be talking about that Jesus begins with in Luke 6. And that's this. True followers of Jesus play the long game and don't waste their time with the short game. That's the fruit. True followers of Jesus play the long game and don't waste their time with the short game. So let me show you what I mean. Let's jump into the scripture. So I'm gonna read uh, in Luke uh, chapter six. I'm gonna start in verse 17. Last week, we ended... Uh, our study in Luke at verse 11. So uh, we're gonna skip this morning verses 12 to 16. Uh, in 12 to 16, you can read that for yourself. That's when Jesus names his 12 apostles. And then we're gonna pick it up here in verse 17 this morning. Let's read together. God's word says this, it says, and Jesus came down with them, his 12 apostles that he just selected and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear Jesus and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. Right, so you have this, crowd of people. Many of these people are suffering from all kinds of different ailments, whether it be hunger, whether it be sickness and disease, whether it be sorrow or oppression from governments and other people, all kinds of different types of ailments. And Jesus has compassion on them and Jesus has a message for them. Here's the message. Verse 20. And Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, so now we begin the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and, and when people exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, on account of me. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. He's referencing to the folks in the Old Testament who persecuted the prophets when they spoke the word of God. And he's saying, when people persecute you, you're just like the prophets. Verse 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. 
Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Referencing the Old Testament where their forefathers, uh, they praised the false prophets. So Jesus here in this first part of the sermon, he lists out four things that every single one of us want. Meaning that it's not bad that we all want these things. Every single human being on planet earth wants these four things. We all want wealth. We want to experience abundance and not lack. Everybody wants that. We all want to be full where all the hungers of our life, physical hunger, figurative hunger is satisfied. We all want laughter and fun and joy in our life. And we all want to be loved and affirmed by others. Everybody of us wants this. Four things we all want. You want it. I want it. Let's not deny it. Now, Jesus does not say that it's bad to want these things. But what Jesus is saying is that there is a place where one can fully experience these four things without limitation. So, so just think about that for a second. That, that there is a place where you can experience these four things, riches, and laughter and joy and satisfaction and fullness and love and affirmation. You can enjoy these things with no limitation, but Jesus is saying that is not here. And what it means to follow Jesus means to know that those things are not found here during this life. And so the Jesus follower does not organize his or her entire life around seeking these things during this life. They organize their life around following Jesus and trusting him to bring them to that place where they will experience these things without limitation, right? That's one of the pieces of fruit that grows on the Christian. They don't play the short game and seek these four things here. They're not obsessed with getting wealthy. They're not always chasing something to fill the void. They're not enslaved by the opinions of other people. They play the long game and trust that Jesus will bring them to the place that their soul truly longs for. And one of the reasons why a true Christian will grow this fruit is because they are rooted in the soil of the word of God, which gives us some really important information and truth about who we are and the world that we live in right now, right? So as people who believe the word of God, we know that at our most basic level, we are image bearers of God, that God designed us to receive joy when we organize our life around seeking and following him. We know from the word of God that the world we live in is broken, 
That, that the reason we have lives that can be filled with stress and anxiety and hunger and sorrow is because we, along with every other person, we've rejected God. And so the reason why we can so easily be enslaved by what people think about us and the affirmation of other people, the reason why that can have so much control in our life is because there's something inside of us that thinks that's where those four things are found. When other people approve of me, when other people affirm me, we think those things are found apart from God. So you have an entire world who has walked away from God. And so now we live in a broken place. And we know that what we truly need is a savior who will redeem us, who will repair our relationship with God and point us to God's will in our life. And God's will for you is that you would enter into his kingdom, which is the place where all of this abundance and all of this fullness and all of this love and affirmation is actually found with no limitation. Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus didn't come just to forgive you. He did that. He came to forgive you and to reconcile you to God. But he came to bring us to his kingdom, to that place where this fullness is actually found. This is the long game. The Christian knows that their true citizenship, it's not here, but it's in God's kingdom and that the true longings of our heart aren't found here, they are found there. And that God's will for us is not that we would spend our time chasing down all of these things, but that we would trust him to bring us to that place. Like, here's one thing you need to know about God's character and, and what he wants for you. God wants these four things for you. That is God's will for your life, that you would experience these four things. But it's not here. It's in his kingdom. This is the paradox of the Christian life. Jesus says, whoever spends their entire life chasing down these four things, they will lose their life. But whoever is willing to lay down these four things, oh, they will find their life. God's will for you is that you would drink deeply of these things that your soul longs for, but they're not found here. They're found in him. And the reason that God keeps his people here, the, the, the reason that Jesus hasn't returned to establish his kingdom in full, the reason why God hasn't come and grabbed all of us who follow Jesus and brought us fully into his kingdom the reason why God is calling upon us to endure this world is because God has given us a mission. He has placed an assignment on our lives to go and make disciples. We're not the only ones that desire these four things. The entire world is lost seeking these four things. And God says, hey, church, you're not coming to my kingdom yet. 
I will be with you to the end of the age, but you are going to stay and you're gonna make disciples. You're going to share this gospel because we wanna bring as many people as possible into this kingdom where we will finally experience the fullness that we all desire. And so for the Christian... We believe that the very reason we're still here and not in the Father's kingdom is because of this assignment. And that assignment is not to chase down these four things, but it's to love our neighbor, to make disciples. We play the long game. We don't play the short game. And if this is true, This is one thing we all have to understand. Spending our lives playing the short game, spending our lives just trying to get wealthy, spending our lives trying to find what will fill the void, spending our lives trying to win the affirmation of every single person and being worried about what people think of us, spending our lives doing that, playing the short game, is at its very core, it's fundamentally selfish. It's organizing our entire life around ourselves and my hunger and my sorrow, my suffering. And the opposite is true as well. But spending our life trusting in Jesus and playing the long game, saying, Jesus, I'm gonna trust what you say that if I were to lay these things out, I'll find my life. Spending our lives playing the long game, laying these things down and trusting in Jesus is fundamentally at its very core selfless. That is Christ-like selflessness. When we know that we are going to drink deeply from these things in God's kingdom. When we know that Christ shed his blood on the cross so that we could be secure in God's love for us. When we know that this is God's will for us, that he has sent us on this mission in the short term, that is the key to unlock selflessness in our lives. That's the key to unlock a love for your neighbor that will motivate you to get out of your comfort zone and to actually take risks for your faith. And this is the paradox. It's when we play the long game. It's when we're willing to lay our lives down. It's when we're willing to stop pursuing these four things and focus our lives on loving God and loving our neighbor. That's when we actually begin to taste true joy and fullness here in this life. Because you know what God loves to do for his children? God loves to give his children tastes of his kingdom. Is this a piece of fruit that is growing on all of us? If you were to look at how you spend your life, your life goals, how you organize your time, how you organize your budget, 
how you organize your relationships? Are you playing the short game or the long game? Are you on a futile quest to find treasure that is simply not there while ignoring your neighbor and God's will and mission upon your life? Or are you willing to lay that quest down and follow Jesus? Because this is what it means to follow Jesus. It's to do what Jesus did. Following Jesus, it's not easy, but it's very simple. You just do what Jesus did. And in love for you, Jesus stepped out of the comfort and the glory of heaven to come down and become one of us and to experience the brokenness of this world and to get on this mission and to call us to this mission along with us. And he played the long game. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this, it says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just imagine if the church, big C church, the global church, if all the people of the church had the reputation, man, that is a group of people who are willing to lay down their lives to love their neighbors. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Man, those are people who care about me. Those are people that really believe in Jesus and they really want me to believe in Jesus too. They don't care what other people think about them. Just think if that was the reputation the church had. And my prayer is that God would just continue to do work in all of us to grow this particular fruit in our lives so that we, Grace Hill Church, at least us, would be a church here in our town that has that kind of reputation. And so I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray right now that God would be growing this fruit, that he would be convicting us. He'd be showing us maybe where we're tempted to play the short game and he would lead us to the joy of the long game. Let's pray. God, this morning we... um, God, we are just, uh, well, let me just say this, God, I'm, I'm personally convicted by the ways in which I play the short game. I'm personally convicted by the ways that, God, I, I seek after these four things apart from you. About, Lord, how much I care about people's opinions of me about how much I long for greater wealth and and how I can fall into the belief that life will be better if I would just pursue that. God, none of us are perfect in this. And so Lord, I pray that you would mercifully and, and graciously show us the areas of our life where we're playing the short game and you would show us, God, how that's futile how those things are not found here, but you have us here on a mission. And there actually is joy and fullness found when we follow Jesus and get on his mission. 
So Holy Spirit, would you do a work in each and every one of us? Because we wanna be a church that reaches our neighbors and we wanna be a church that loves our community and we wanna be a church that's not distracted by the short game. But just like Jesus in Hebrews 12, two, with joy set before us, we're willing to pick up our cross and endure it as well. Lead us into that, God. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.